0: Meredith and I work on staff here with Chi Alpha and I'm really excited to get to share with you guys tonight I think I might have said this last time I spoke too but something the Lord has been really teaching me uh, and growing in me this year is just to have a deeper love and appreciation for his word um and something that I really loved about winter camp was that Brady talked about going deep and going long and finishing strong do you guys remember that yeah So I just, like, loved that theme, and as I was thinking about it uh, more, I think I was just realizing how important knowing, like, having a deep understanding of God's Word is to going deep, right? To be rooted deep in Christ, we have to have an understanding of His Word. And so I'm really excited to get to go deep in God's Word with you guys tonight um, as we continue our message series. Have you guys ever had an experience that has totally changed your thinking or perspective? Have you ever had an experience that's totally changed your thinking or perspective? For example, I would imagine that Nate Marley's perspective has changed just a little bit since he's had a kid. (laughs) Uh, Or maybe your perspective has changed since moving away from home and coming to college and not living with your parents anymore. Or maybe you've taken a class this quarter that has impacted you a lot. We've all probably had some experience that has really had an impact on our thinking. When I was a sophomore in college, I had the privilege of going on a mission trip to Haiti that totally changed my entire worldview. This trip changed me so much. Uh, at this point in my life, I had never really been out of the country before. Uh, I'd just never been out of the country before. <laughs> um, I had grown up in a pretty typical you know, middle class family in America. I hadn't ever really been exposed to another culture than my own, and I had never experienced poverty. And so before this trip, I I really thought that we were going to go and we were going to have this great impact on the people we'd be working with. You know, we're going to teach English, we're going to work at an orphanage, and I was like, we're going to go and impact them so much. And, well, like, yes, I do think that we were able to be a blessing to them. The people that I met in that country had so much more of an impact on me than I think I ever had an impact on them. So... It was, it was just a fantastic trip. Um, I have a couple pictures I wanted to show, just for fun. This is our team. <laughs> you guys might recognize some of them. Um, Joe and Amanda both went on the trip, and Melissa was our team leader. So we had a really, really fun team. You want to go to the next slide, Marissa? This is us eating mangoes. <laughs> um, we all look really hot and sweaty because it's really hot there. And th- there's, like, so many mangoes in Haiti. Like, there are so many mangoes. And the people there are so sweet. They just, like, kept bringing us, like, giant bowls of them like this big around and we don't want to be rude so we just kept eating them <laughs> so we ate like a lot of mangoes and then the next picture really has nothing to do with anything other than I wanted to show it <laughs> but if you can see it's kind of hard to see here but there's like a little there's a there's a good size uh tarantula coming out yep yep uh yeah so this was the wall of the building that we stayed in um, the, the outside of it was pretty exciting and, uh, you can give Amanda props cause we really wanted to get like a size comparison. And so she was the brave person who put her hand there. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you can go back to our, our, team picture now. Thank you. Okay. That's less distracting. <laughs> but yeah, so this trip was just incredible and impacted my life so much. I remember, I remember going and, uh, just being shocked kind of like by the, the sheer amount of poverty that was in that country I remember looking around and just seeing like buildings that were just falling apart, and uh, people in the nicer areas lived in like one or two room uh, structures that were made out of concrete, and then in like the more slum areas they lived in like tin and like cardboard structures, and so it was just something that like I had never seen before this, and as a nineteen year old <laughs> American, like life in Haiti seemed beyond difficult to me. Um, you know these people were having to face things that like I've probably will never have to face in my lifetime. But the thing that stood out to me the most from this trip wasn't like the poverty or the corruptness of their government or the spiders or the <laughs> mangoes or anything like that. Uh, it was their incredible love for Jesus. The people who we had come to serve and who we had come to reach out to literally spent the entire two weeks that we were there serving us. Like they they made us dinner every night. They invited us into their homes. They invited us into their culture and their families. Um, and it was just such a like, humbling experience that even though they had like, next to nothing, to this day, they're the most joyful, Jesus-loving people I have ever met. And I remember coming back from that trip and realizing that I could never go back to my old way of thinking. I saw the world differently after that. I had learned so much. Like on that trip, I I realized that America is only a very small part of the world. You know, I realized that my culture is not the only culture, and it's definitely not the best culture. I learned that you can have incredible joy and love for the Lord without comfort or possessions. I realized I was wealthy when before I thought I was like a poor college student. My old way of thinking had completely changed, And with that, my actions changed, too. You know, realizing these things, uh, I wanted to be more generous. I learned that I, like, loved other cultures, and I wanted to get to know people from other cultures, and so I started hanging out with international students. My thinking changed after that trip, and therefore I changed, too. And in a lot of ways, isn't this what happens when we say yes to following Jesus? When we decide to follow God doesn't he change our whole way of thinking and seeing the world? When our thinking changes, our lives change out of that. So tonight, we are going to continue our series, uh, Waging War, by reading in Ephesians. Um, if I can actually have my Bible pastors come, that would be awesome. If you guys need a Bible tonight, just raise your hand and they will get one to you. Um, and while I'm doing that, or er, while they're doing that, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us. Lord Jesus, uh, I just thank you so much for tonight, God. Thank you so much for gathering all of us here. Um, yeah, Jesus, you're just so good that we get to gather and meet and learn from your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each and every person here individually and to us as a group as well. Um, yeah, Jesus, just, just help us to be open uh, to, what you, to what you have for us tonight, Lord. Guide my words. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to be reading from uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 32. Ephesians chapter 4, 17 to 32. And I'm actually going to have Aaron stand up and read that for us. Awesome, thank you so much. So let's start, there's a lot in here. So let's start uh, by looking at verses 17 to 19, and I'm just going to reread those real quick. Says, so I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. So the first thing that stands out to me from this is just, like, how forcefully Paul is speaking, right? Like, he says, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. Can you imagine going to, like, your one-on-one and your facilitator saying that to you? (laughs) Like, hey, uh, Kennedy, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. (laughs) Like, you have to be, like, really serious uh, to use that language. And I think Paul is trying to communicate that he really, really wants the Ephesians to get this. That what he has to say is fundamental to their faith. So what exactly is it that he's communicating? In these verses, 17 to 19, Paul is describing life without God. He says you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Okay, so what exactly is futility is a good question to ask. Well, futility is essentially living a life that has no purpose. The commentary I read while preparing for this uh, had a really good description of what that means. It says, They're lacking true relationship with God and suffer from the consequences of having lost touch with reality and are left fumbling with inane trivialities and worthless side issues. Have you guys ever wondered if what you're living for is futile? ever wondered, like, what is the point of life? I think those are the really common questions that probably a lot of us have asked before. The second thing I want us to notice is the phrase in verse 19 that says, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. Okay, so first we see, like, they're living a futile life, right? Like, they're living a life without purpose. And then we see they have given themselves over to sensuality, or in other words, they've let themselves become ruled by their feelings, desires, and emotions. You know, well, we're all going to be ruled by something, and when we, when, we, when we live our life without the anchor of God's truth, it's so easy to be ruled by how you feel in the moment, Right? And as I was reading this, I couldn't help but think, doesn't this description of their society sound scarily like our American society today? It kind of made me think of the bumper sticker that was popular, like, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago. It says, whoever finishes with the most toys wins. You know, it's so celebrated to live uh, in our society just accumulating the most stuff or trying to climb the ladder to success, you know, Getting a good job, making money, being successful, living for happiness. We live for these shallow things so often without even realizing it, and like that's what we end up basing our lives on. Uh, the other day, Brandon and I uh, were, had a fun visit with our friend George Barker. He, is, he used to go to Calva here. Yeah, a couple people still remember George. George is great. He graduated from Central a couple years ago, uh, and he ended up moving up to Alaska to work at an accounting firm. And so he was in Washington, and he stopped by to visit me and Brandon, and uh, we were just, you know, talking to him. How's life, George? How's Alaska? Have you seen bears? Stuff like that. <laughs> and he said that he loves his life there, that he's doing great, that he loves accounting. Um, But the hardest thing for him is working in an environment where everyone is just focused on climbing the ladder to success. He told us that most people who go into accounting uh, do it for the money and that actually if if you get an entry level job as an accountant, you can work there for five years and after five years you can move to a different position where you're making six figures. (laughs) After five years, like that's, you're 25, 26, 27 maybe, and you're making six figures. Like that's that's a lot. And he, uh, he told us a specific story about one day he was on a hike or something with one of his buddies, and he was just talking to him and was like, hey, you know, or George was, George was asking his friend this. George was asking, bro, like, what is your goal in life? Like, what are your ambitions? What are you living for? And the guy kind of answered him by saying, you know, I, I really want to keep working at this job. And then I want to get another job where I make even more money so that I have the power to buy whatever I want. I want to own a nice house one day, I want to own a, ca- like a fancy car, I want to own a boat. This, ha- this particular guy wanted to own a plane. And it just makes me ask, like, why? You know, like, so, so what? Is the goal of your life to make a lot of money and be able to buy what you want? It just seems empty and, like, futile, right? Paul also said that those without God have given themselves over to sensuality, and I think that sounds a lot like us today, too. Our, our society is so obsessed with feelings. You know, how often do we hear, I, I just had a really hard day, and so I feel like eating junk food, and so I ate, like, a whole carton of ice cream. I've done that. I'll confess. Or how often do we f- hear, like, you know, I don't feel like having a hard conversation with my friend, even though I know I'm supposed to, so I'm just going to put it off. Or I feel attracted to this person, and they feel attracted to me, so I guess that means we should date. Or I don't feel in love anymore, so I guess that means my marriage is over. It is so easy to base decisions on how we feel and on what we want in the moment But we need to know that running our lives according to our feelings is a lie that Satan has gotten our society to believe. We've been talking about waging a war. And we have to be aware that Satan wants us to live a futile life. He wants us to live our lives being controlled by how we feel in the moment. Like, that's what he wants us to make decisions on. Because when he can keep us distracted by those things, He can keep us distracted from the purpose that God has for us. So what are we basing our lives on? Are we ruled by God's truth? You know, when you have a decision to make, do you go to the Bible? Like, do you dig through the Bible and, like, try and figure out, like, what God's truth is for you? Or do you let your feelings manipulate you? Okay, so let's keep, uh, keep reading. So look at verses 20 to 24 with me. They say, That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So what's Paul saying? He's saying, like, really good things, right? <laughs> He's saying that when we have a relationship with Jesus, everything, like, everything in our life changes. Just like when I came back from Haiti, I thought differently about the world, and I acted diff- differently because of that. Like, how much more, when we have a relationship with the living God, is our life going to change? In verse 20, he says, okay, guys, like what I just described above, like what I just described about that futile, like purposeless feelings-based life, that is not what you signed up for when you decided to follow Jesus. In fact, God calls us to the exact opposite lifestyle. He's saying we need to actively put off our like old pre-Jesus self. Because it's been corrupted by deceitful desires. Do you guys know that like our natural human desires are deceitful? Do you know that like Satan has influenced that? You know, just because you want ice cream does not mean it's healthy for you. <laughs> just because you think the guy or the girl is cute does not mean that they would be compatible for marriage. Paul's saying we need to reject and put off the deceitful lifestyle and allow Jesus to make our minds new. Titus 3, 3-7 to says, At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom we poured out generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Do you see the drastic difference between a life without Christ and a life with Christ? When Jesus renews our minds by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become co-heirs with Jesus, and we have hope of eternal life. Our life with Christ is marked by so much purpose and hope and joy and truth. How are you going to respond to Jesus? Are we going to continue living our lives in this futile way, being controlled by our feelings and chasing after purposeless things? Or are we going to let the Holy Spirit change us? So let's look at verses 25 to 32. We say, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. Who we are all members of one body. In your, anger, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. I think when we read these verses, at first it can be pretty easy to interpret them as like legalism. Um, or maybe like, oh, is Christianity just an, another like self help program? For example, you know, if you don't steal or gossip or have fits, fits of rage, seems like you'll be a better person, right? But I think it's really important to understand the order that Paul is laying out. He says that first Jesus renews our minds and makes us new. And we know from our verse in Titus that he doesn't do that because of something we have done. He does it because of his grace and love for us. Then because of what Jesus has already done for us, then our lifestyle changes. Jesus renews us and then our actions follow that. So why does God care about our actions? Okay? Like, why does he care? Well, we've been learning this quarter that God calls us to glorify him and reflect his image. And we've been learning that one way we do that is through living in unity with other believers, right? Dwight taught us last week uh, from Ephesians 4.3, or he did a lot more than that, but one of the verses was Ephesians 4.3, and it says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. We bring glory to God by how we live in unity with each other and by how we love each other. Okay, so go ahead. I have a little chart on the screen, I think. Yep, great. Um, And I just kind of like broke down these verses. On the left half, we have all the things that Paul says, like this is part of like the old self. Like put this off. Stop doing this. And on the right half, we have their replacements. As we learn to better image God, the Holy Spirit wants to take us from our old self to the new self. Our purpose is to image God and bring him glory individually and as a community of believers. And I want to ask you, which community is doing that? Which one is imaging God? Which one is bringing him glory? The one on the left or the one on the right? If someone new came to Chi Alpha. Would they see a group who holds grudges against each other, who talks behind each other's back, who are bitter, who are lazy? Or would they see a group who are dedicated to uplifting each other? Would they see a group who works hard, who prof- whose professors know that they are Christians because of their work ethic? Would they see a group that is compassionate and forgiving and shows kindness to each other? Our unity and our willingness to love and serve each other brings glory to the Lord, and it is one of the ways that we wage war against the devil. Verse 27 says, Do not give the devil a foothold. And when we actively put off our old sinful self and start living for God, it strips the devil's opportunity taking traction in our lives. So as I close tonight, I want to... Uh, invite you guys just to ask God where he wants you to grow. Okay, I want you to ask him just to speak to you um, in the next few minutes. And maybe for you, maybe for you it's taking step one. Maybe uh, he's prompting you to say yes to following Jesus with everything you have. Maybe it's inviting him to renew your mind, to renew who you are. Or maybe you've already said yes to him. And he's asking you to work on one of these areas on the screen. You know, how, how are you doing it not holding on to bitterness? How are you doing it not gossiping? You know, how's your anger? Like if you have a problem with someone, do you go and resolve it with them right away? Or do you let that like build up and turn into bitterness? Are you actively encouraging people? Or do you like let insecurity or shyness like hold back encouragement that you could give someone? Are you working hard at school? Do your professors look at you and say, wow, they must be a Christian because they work so hard? How's your generosity? I'm going to go ahead and invite the worship team to come up. Um, and while they're doing that, just ask the Holy Spirit to talk to you. Ask him to highlight something that he wants you to grow in tonight. Um, and I'm going to invite you just take a few minutes and uh, journal about that. If you don't have a journal, it's okay. You can use your phone. Um, but just just be uh, take a couple minutes and and ask the Lord how He wants you to grow tonight, and uh, I'm going to pray to close us. Lord, um, I just thank you so much for your Word, God. I thank you that you are a God who makes us new, Jesus. I thank you that you are a God who forgives us of sin and who wants to make us more like you, Jesus. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, God, thank you so much for helping us image you, Jesus. Thank you for inviting us to be a community who reflects your glory. God, I pray that you would be speaking to each and every person in here tonight, Jesus, that, uh, that you would, um, yeah, God, just that you would be so present and that you would be speaking to each and every one of us. Amen.